Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it wrong. Okay. I'm being dumb. Cut this out. Uh, th- no, this is totally staying in. <laughs> I hate me. All right, welcome to Henry the Critic. Another riveting uh, episode of End of the Critic. My name is Chris Klump. With me, as always, is Mr. Matt Schaefer, the great and powerful. <laughs> That's right. All hail. <laughs> All hail. So this week we uh, review Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. And Oz, the great and powerful. <laughs> uh, as well as, Matt, what, what, what did you see? The Imposter. Before we get into all that, let's get into some news here. The headline, Django Unchained is the first Quentin Tarantino film to be released in China. Oh. Imagine (laughs) that. That movie got past the censorship board in China. None of his other films, all of them have been banned except for this film. I'm not even sure what kind of statement that's making. Do the Chinese just, are they really, like, racist? Or are they actually super anti-racism? I, and they're trying I, to be like, oh, we, we agree with Django. Oh, God. <laughs> um, slavery I'd very bad. I'd imagine. China uh, is all for slavery, as we can see by the way they run their business. <laughs> yes, I, I think China well, really their likes. own people. But what about the really... They're really trying to capture like pro-slavery you know, of their own people, anti-slavery of of, of anyone African else. American. I have no idea. I've never been to China. I haven't met too many people from China that I could ask this, or that I feel comfortable asking. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gone through some of the the films. I mean, in the past, I've seen some films that China has deemed taboo and unable to be released in their country, and I don't understand half of the reasons why do you and then i see that they're releasing this on off the top of my head every quentin tarantino film has been banned sure skyfall was banned Mm, Um, okay or i'm sorry was was uh, no skyfall was allowed after heavy re-editing okay had to edit all all that uh well i think specifically british British imperialism that and i think specifically james bond killing a uh, chinese security guard um just a few things from china banned ben-hur Mm, okay. okay. Lara that's... Croft, Cradle, Tomb Raider. Of course, because that's all about American capitalism go- at work. That makes sense. The yeah. Departed. Sure. Again, the and American spirit. Of course, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Of course. Ah, of course. That's truly an affront to Chinese communism because, you know, the pirates inspired... Um, <laughs> inspired no, no, keep going with it. Keep going. You got this. You got of, this. Of American, uh, American freedom. That whole idea of like we can go out on the open seas and take what's ours. It, it was I mean, it, it was banned. Uh, bec- it was the last one that was banned because um, because it sucked. That's that's why it was <laughs> no, banned. No, like, I totally I, agree with them. They portrayed that that Asian pirate, Singaporean uh, pirate, in that last one. Nope, Django is is gotten the green light. So, it, well, okay. I'm I mean I'm down. But okay, well, moving on here. Of course, the new X-Men movie has been announced, Days of Future Past. However, they just announced that Nightcrawler will not be in it. Alan Cumming wants nothing to do with it, apparently. Mm. That's a shame. I I know, I was very upset that they did away with him in X-Men 3. Yeah, because he was like my favorite part of X-Men 2. Absolutely. And that was the best one, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, Mr. Cumming wanted more money to do X-Men 3, so they said, nope, we don't need you at all. Uh, Even though everybody always said that Nightcrawler was the best part of the second one. But no, he's not going to be in it. And the character himself is not going to be in it in Days of Future Past. That sucks. You know, I feel like every time we talk about a comic book movie, we should then take... (laughs) In in spirit of Marmaduke, some Sunday comic strip and devise which way it would be best adapted to film. Hmm. Well, we already saw how Garfield was adapted to film. That's true. I would like to see a BC film. <laughs> BC? <laughs> Wait, I can't even remember That's what... That's the one with the cavemen 
and like it's <sighs> and it's like they just they just do silly. Has there been a Hagar the Horrible movie yet? Well, it definitely could be. No, no. What I want to see, what has to happen, is a Calvin and Hobbes, mm-hmm. but then make it like a really dark I was gonna retelling say, that would have where to be dark. <laughs> where Calvin is actually some kind of like mental uh, patient, uh, or yeah, something, or yeah, and and savant. What no, no, no. Even darker. Think of like think like Son of Sam. Think like <laughs> so he's a so he's David. He's basically a young David Berkowitz. <laughs> <laughs> and and Hobbs is telling him like it starts out innocently enough like no go ahead and take the cookies your mom won't mind and then it's like no you got to slay them all they're gonna take us and take me away from you. So Calvin, what about be- what about a high and low movie? I don't high and low. Don't go so obscure. I'm really confused. High and low. All right, what about Blondie the movie? <laughs> I'm going to make a big sandwich. <laughs> and then miss my carpool. Oh, no. My boss is mad at me. No, 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 no. I Far side. I like movies that are just about good-looking blind women <laughs> having fun times. Family Circle the movie. No, no. I'm, I'm telling you guys. I'm family telling you guys. Circus. Family Circus. Family Circus. Family Circle. Family Circle. That's that magazine. That Family Circle. The, the, the right-wing conservative family magazine. <laughs> No, I'm the telling movie. you. I'm telling you guys. What we got to do is we got to get uh, Terry Gilliam to direct a Far Side movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One more piece of news here. Because I actually have some news. To oh say. well. Uh, well, okay. Let, 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 let's burn through this because this is not okay. that big of a deal here. Uh, Sylvester Stallone updates the Expendables three lineup. Mm. No Steven Seagal. Oh. That's Maybe terrible. Jackie Chan. See, I thought Jackie Jackie Chan was like a done deal. Well, no, apparently not. And oh. uh, which I was the, surprised about because he said he was done with violent movies. Yeah, that's why I don't think it's a done deal yet. Yeah. However, I'm trying to find the 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 spot here where he says it. They want Jackie Chan specifically. <laughs> Stallone said specifically because they want some younger actors. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be like 50. <laughs> yes. Yes, Jackie Chan has. I, mean, oh, I, wow. I think he said it that he's pretty much past his prime. <laughs> like he's admitted it. Like I'm past my prime. So but it's true though. Like every guy in that movie is so old. Yeah, apparently he, Seagal he would turned be a it, young buck. Yeah, apparently Seagal turned it down, and I don't know why. Well, and I don't really care. I'm, I'm actually kind of happy he turned it down because I don't really Steven care. Steven Seagal is what? Jackie Chan is 58. <laughs> Not just 50. <laughs> 58. He's looking good for 58, but still. Oh wow. Yeah, they really need to add some youth to that roster. <laughs> I mean, he just... Without Jason Statham, it would just literally be like just geriatrics, geriatrics firing guns. Terry, ter- Terry Crews. Terry Crews isn't yeah, that old. I mean, he's yeah, like yeah. 40-something, yeah. but he's not that old. Yeah. But didn't Jackie Chan play Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid remake? Which, I mean, if that's going they up played. against... Pat Morita. Pat Morita was pretty old when he did the original. Yeah, but they played up his age in that. They oh, did I never saw it because I, I had no interest in it. Parts of it, but he looks old in it, and deliberately so. Horrible, horrifying news. Ray, Ralph Macchio is presently as old as uh, Pat Morita was when he was in Karate Kid. Oh God, that's it. That is horrible. Wow. That's very horrible. <laughs> I don't know how. But I don't know how I feel about that. All right. Well, what's uh, what what's your piece of news uh, you're bringing to the table this here? This is the. Oh, you don't have any Star Trek news this week. I oh god, it was no nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. I was hoping to gloss over gave that up. fact. Like gave up? Point. No, dude. I spent like a while looking. <laughs> I couldn't. Everything I did find hours like, of work, all the waste. Not a single hours. shred of news. Which is me doing like in between laundry cycles, going, huh? No, no more Star Trek. Well, news. if if Star Trek news is to Chris. Then Jurassic Park news is, is to, to you. Matt. Yep, yep, that's true. Uh, and there's some pretty big news today. Ooh. Colin Trevorrow, who directed last week's movie that we reviewed, Safety Not Guaranteed, mm-hmm. is set to direct Jurassic Park Four. Now, is Jurassic Park Four the one where the Raptors are bred super intelligent, grafted machine guns on no. their back, and become a super hit squad? No. I'm not making that up. That was that actually was an idea what, that for was Jurassic what was going Park to happen. 4. And I was actually okay with it until I saw the storyboards, and they looked like rejects from like old sci-fi movies, like just really weird. They looked like, they looked like rejects from the Carnosaur series. Yeah, which, exactly, which is unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Really... Briefly, I have no, as like a huge, huge fan of the Jurassic Park movies, particularly the first one, I don't know how to feel about this because I liked 
uh, safety not guaranteed, but it is a movie that has nothing to do <laughs> with Jurassic Park thematically. Um, yeah, not even remotely. Not there's even nothing. A there's, no, there's no parallels. There's you can draw there's like them. nothing in that movie that would make me think he would be adept at directing, you know, a Jurassic Park movie. That being said, it, it's a good movie. So that's good. And and he seems, you know, he was chosen because he has a lot of passion towards the series, apparently. And worst comes to worst, Spielberg will just take over. Yeah, he'll just so, do what he always does when he's a producer. Yeah. Let me step in. My name's on this. I got to step in and yeah, take over. Yeah, I have to make sure this is a good movie. So, yeah, it's fine. I'm sure yeah. it'll be at least yeah. decent. I'd like it to be, you know, the best one since the first one because it seems like that's what they're going for. They didn't want to make it unless it was going to be. But the last two Jurassic Park films have really not diminished the first one, but definitely kind of the. F- All right. They were completely different movies. Case in point, the fact that I can't get Jurassic Park on Blu-ray without getting Jurassic Park two and three. Yeah. And I still don't know. Like, that's the reason I'm like not buying it is because I don't want two and three. I only right. want the first one. Yeah, I could spend a lot of time talking about Jurassic Park, but. This isn't we'll say that for our Jurassic Park mini episode this isn't, uh, that one of these days we'll have to do. Enter the dinosaur critic. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get you to like the... that one, Parker. Like that one? No, nope, he's giving you thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Parker Lindstrom, everybody, our producer, a loving and caring father figure to this podcast. Whom without the show would be nothing more than me going, man, I'd really like to do a podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the meat of this thing. Uh, trailers? But, yes. Let's do that instead. <laughs> let's do that instead. <laughs> Movie Got trailers. ahead of myself. Ooh, Ooh. Breaking the format. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, let's talk about some trailers. What trailer do you want to talk about first? Let's let's, let's do Evil Dead because I oh, feel like yeah. that's fresh in our minds. Very fresh. Apparently, somebody came up with the idea, let's remake Evil Dead, and apparently Sam Raimi said, yeah, let's go with it. Which is surprising. Uh, very surprising. My thoughts on that, I love Evil Dead. And when I first heard months and months ago that they announced that they were doing a remake, I was very upset. But I feel like they're going about it the right way. Sam Raimi is not directing. He is only, I think, producing. Right. Um, Bruce Campbell is also producing and is not in it. Which, as much as I love Bruce Campbell, I'm very glad to see that he's not in it. because that would not make sense. No, it would not be. be in a remake of Evil Dead. And the other thing that I was worried about is that it would be too much like Army of Darkness where it would be funny and silly and kind of winking at the camera. And then I saw Not this trailer. at all. I saw this trailer Not and I thought, no. at all. There is no camera winking whatsoever. This is like, just from the trailers that I've seen, it looks even darker than the first Evil Dead. Yes, yes. This movie... It this, doesn't... It could, because it doesn't really look that campy. No, not at all. And this movie looks like it's out to hurt people. Yeah. It is brutal... Just watching the expression on Parker's face as he watched the Red Band trailer was just gold. I, I really think this was greenlit and uh, and got Sam Raimi's blessing because they basically said, hey, we're going to make an Evil Dead that maybe you wanted to make like way back then that is just going to kick people in the teeth. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. well, sure. Because I don't want you to do I don't want you to do a, a half-assed version of the original where it's just sort of like fun and whatever. Mm. They were like, nope, not gonna. It's just gonna be like take the concepts of the original and just go brutal wild with it, yeah. which is definitely what it looks like. Well, now, having said that, I don't know how much I will enjoy it because <laughs> part of the reasons that I do love the Evil Dead movies is because they are very scary at times, particularly the first two, but are also a lot of fun. Right. This right, this right. doesn't look like it's gonna be a a whole whole lot of fun. The first one though definitely doesn't have a lot of fun no. moments. And Most it, it of the really fun's seems like from the camp. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that was intended. No. I mean, he, I think Sam Raimi did the best he could. Right. Definitely with Evil Dead 2 and like that's that's more of a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh I'd say one of the earlier horror comedies, you know, of that genre. And then you have Army of Darkness where it's yeah, this is silly and fun, and here's some zombie esque. Yeah, here's here's some deadites and skeletons yeah. and stuff, but also uh, the Three Stooges. We're gonna we're gonna do some slapstick why comedy. Why I oughta? Yeah, <laughs> I mean he actually says that in the movie. He says yeah. why I oughta as he's like <laughs> grabbing after uh, some of the little guys that are trying to kill him. <laughs> no, so. this this movie 
definitely looks like the spiritual fulfillment of the first Evil Dead almost. And I think in that respect, it'll be good. I, I might not necessarily enjoy it as much, but I'm not about to trash it from what I've seen. No, it looks... And one of the things I'm excited about, I read in a recent article, the director of the film is uh, kind of you know doing the circuit, talking about it, and one of the things that he's praising about the film is this uses almost no digital effects. Right. Almost everything that you see in that trailer is... Well, in fact, everything you see in that trailer is a practical effect... And the only digital use he said was compositing it or right. just kind fixing of things fixing up things bit. up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And I really like that because I'm so tired of digital effects when being used inappropriately. Absolutely. Um, especially in horror films where you want that practical feel. You want things to be organic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's really hard to do with CGI. So the trailer is just just brutal and mean and just I, I can't wait i'm looking forward to it but i have to admit i'm probably still looking forward more to army of darkness 2 which will never happen i don't know the latest news makes it seem like it's gonna it's a done deal almost uh, i don't know how i feel about army of darkness 2 unless I'm it takes ready. place unless it takes place in the post-apocalyptic world that ash wakes that ash up in, in the, to. In the di- uh, director's cut yeah that that I would be with okay it. with. I think it'll be fun. I think Raimi's still got it. Drag Me to Hell was really good and fun. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, Raimi definitely definitely has it. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the Lone Ranger. This is basically just Disney again being like all Pirates of the Caribbean and no, like. I look at it this way. It looks like Disney's going. All right, what do we? What, what rights do we own? <laughs> we have the what? Lone Ranger. Hey, what can we do with that? Can we do something? Go with in that? the closet and look at the things that we own now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We own the Lone. I didn't even know yeah. we owned that. I picture some right. executive just sitting there going, "What? What do we got? We got the Lone Ranger." Is, seriously? Um, All right. Well, let's throw together a screenplay. What yeah, let's get let's get Depp in on that. Uh, do we have any other of like Burton's people? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Helen exactly. Bonham Carter. Yeah, get her in on yeah, that. We'll get too. her That'll in. Be there, fun. No problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of slap it together, put in some fun action that's not really threatening, and uh, we got ourselves a deal. You know, let's keep it PG, and uh, or yeah. maybe PG-13. I can't remember what the rating is on that, actually. I think it would have to be PG-13. Almost, I saw yeah. people being shot multiple that's, times. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah. That, that being said, it doesn't look bad. Well, it's I'm, just not I'm, something I'm going to get excited about. I'm just excited to see Johnny Depp just doing something weird and wacky again because we don't see enough of that yeah it's pretty rare that you see johnny depp these days you he's, know, he's really, doing too many really serious, getting out of his element and he's doing the, way too many serious period pieces yeah. um you know striving too, too for that many, oscar gold too many like straight up dramas just yeah, sort yeah. of playing it'll be nice to see him again. get back into some wacky uh, uh hijinks here right no, oh I my agree. god! Why Johnny Depp? Why? Why? Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he is playing Tonto. Tonto yeah. Why Johnny Depp? <laughs> when you first said, "For anyone who doesn't know," I thought you were going to explain who Johnny Depp. Is. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know who Johnny Depp, if is, you've never seen a movie, right. if you've never um, seen a movie, Nightmare on Elm Street. If you've ever seen that, <laughs> uh, yeah, he didn't do a whole lot since then. He's done he a couple movies that. since then, but that just was a his few. like breakout film. Just a few. Yeah, I don't know how else to explain him, really. He's, he's, you know, he's a guy. (laughs) He plays Todd. I'm sure there are plenty of really good... Native American, Native American actors, actors who could have been chosen for Tonto. Instead, but, they chick, they picked this one guy who's like 164th Cherokee, and they're like, yeah, run with it. But, but... Yes? They aren't Johnny Depp. Who you need for this movie. Because who would care about this movie if Johnny Depp wasn't in it? Honestly. Who would care? Yeah, I'm looking at the rest of this cast and... No one. No one. Yeah, you're pretty much right. Oh, Lone Ranger. Oh, that's something I want to spend ten bucks on tonight. This pretty much is the... the, the, Yeah, this is pretty much just Johnny Depp. Depp. Boom. You get, like, all of his market share of, like, middle-aged women and... Yeah, you you get people like my mom. Tim Burton way too much and et cetera. You get all the weird Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. fetishists, and there are plenty of them. You now, having you, uh, trashed this completely, I still think it could be entertaining. Oh, no. the It looks entertaining. The trailer looked entertaining. Yeah. I will see anything even remotely close to a Western nowadays. That's true. I want them to come back. And this looks remotely close to a Western. <laughs> yep, yep. 
It's not the Western I want, but it's the Western, it's the Western that I get. It's the Western you deserve, Chris. No, it looks interesting, and it's, you know, the first Pirates movie was, was really good, and the, the others were movies, but... Yeah, they were things. So if it's the same team, who, who knows what'll happen. Maybe we'll get some Jeffrey Rush in there, and everything will be okay. Oh, God, that would be awesome. I mean, it won't happen. No. That would be awesome. And the last trailer we watched, The Great Gatsby. Yeah, I feel like I've been watching these trailers for a year now. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's well, true. Yeah, well, the problem was it was supposed to be released right. at Christmas. Right. And then it got And there were trailers for it way back last year. So it probably mm-hmm. has almost been a literal year since there have been trailers shown. For it, feels, it feels like it, yeah. So after seeing it a number of times and hearing that same Kanye West Jay-Z song, <laughs> Over um, and over again. What's a king to a guy? <laughs> What's a guy to a king? Classic literature. What's a king to a non-believer who don't believe in F. Scott Fitzgerald? Anything. You you have not read the book, Great Gatsby. Uh, nope. I was too busy reading Isaac Asimov books uh, I, as, a, very as, good. as a young lad. Very good. Time well spent. I have. I uh, read it a number of years ago in high school. I don't actually remember a lot of the details of the story, but I definitely don't remember... Parker, fill us in. I, I will, I, almost everything is, is represented in the trailer, but go ahead. I was just going <coughs> to say, I don't, I don't really remember um, envisioning hip-hop music playing while I was reading. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I... From what I remember, it, you know, I really enjoyed the book. The ending is like one of the few endings to a book that has ever made me cry. Go ahead, Internet. Poke fun. But uh, um, I don't know. For some reason, this movie doesn't sit well with me at all. Really? That yeah. is the exact opposite response does, I thought I'd get from you. does not sit well with me at all, despite the fact that I'm loving Leo DiCaprio these days and... It looks I can't slick. wait to see him yell at something. That's what I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel right to me. See now, me having never read the book, yeah, and knowing absolutely nothing about the Great Gatsby, I don't even know the storyline or anything. I think it looks neat. I think it looks really cool. It looks neat. I don't know if you want neat when you're retelling well it's Baz Luhrmann and he does amazing things like he took <sighs> Romeo and Juliet and made it no awesome. I hate dude that adaptation it's so good you're I an idiot hate that you're movie. a super huge I idiot I hate that movie you know, I, I like I like in this position because I feel absolutely no strong way one way or the other I could care less the, the only problem Romeo the only Juliet. thing I will say is that there is a great version of Great Gatsby that already exists with with uh, Sam Waterston that, yeah but this is going to be very cons- close to my heart this is going to be considered, I feel like, the Hallmark version, or the yep. version that people will think of from now on. Yeah, and I which just... sucks, because the one that's out there is really good, and people should also all go see it. Tell me something, without knowing anything about this adaptation. Is it pretty low-key and somewhat dark in tone? What, the other one? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, 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 a, it's a good adaptation of because the Because that's how I feel like The Great is... Gatsby should be. I th- and this, I think it this will looks be. Like this, the no, trailer this... is very stylized. It's a trailer trying to get people excited. Every frame in the in the trailer yeah, is stylized. It looks like three hundred, but it won't be like that. You know, tragedy and <laughs> turn of the century. Moulin Rouge had a lot of darkness in it. I think it'll be like that. Okay, I don't really love Moulin Rouge either. Sorry, sorry. So many bad opinions. <laughs> Oh man, I'm losing once all again, my musical loving audience. Once members. again, I'm just okay. Moulin Rouge was a movie. I think I saw it. I don't remember it. All right. Well, now that we all know what everyone thinks about this film, we can move on. I'll give it a shot, Parker. Just for you, buddy. So let's. Uh, that it for trailers. That's all I got. Unless you had something else you wanted to talk about. Not. So we each saw two movies. I saw um, Oz the Great and Powerful and Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning. And I saw The Imposter, and I also saw Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning. So let's start off with uh, Imposter. Go ahead and Sounds take it away. Good. 
The Imposter, I'll just do the IMDb blurb. Sure, sure. A documentary centered on a young Frenchman who claims to a grieving Texas family that he is their 16-year-old son who has been missing for three years. So, this is this is a pretty awesome uh, documentary. If you are a fan of Netflix documentaries, which seems to be their forte, if you look at all of the films on Netflix, their best genre tends to be documentaries. They have quite a number of documentaries. They, they have quite a number and, and a lot of good ones, whereas if you look at some of their other genres and styles of film, it's like you'll have a handful that are good, and then the rest is like just B-movies. Right. But this is among one of the good ones. I don't want to give too much away, but I, I love documentaries that kind of have a really good narrative structure. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. kind of t- really t- take you through a story. And this film does a great job of that. It's really unsettling at parts. There's definitely a lot of like, oh, no moments throughout. And some of the some of the characters are pretty great. But basically the movie centers around this, this French guy. He talks probably the most throughout. Uh, his name is, let me get his actual name, Frédéric Bourdin. And he kind of cons his way into this family in Texas that uh, had lost their their young son. The movie follows for like the first third uh, uh, about just this really crazy way that he manages to fool, I believe it's the Spanish government, into believing that he's this kid. And then calling like places in America, finding this family getting the sister from the family to come to Spain and somehow despite the fact that he's a frenchman with dark eyes, dark hair, is 20 some years old despite the fact that the kid would not be that old at this time, he would only be 16, fools her, fools the family into thinking that he is this is this kid. Hmm. Okay. Um he does it through many different means, but it's really unsettling because they show news clips then of of actually, you know, when this story was released initially, when they were just, the story was basically just, oh, great, this family, you know, recovered their lost son. And he's just sitting there talking, and you're thinking, why would anyone believe this? Because he has an accent. Right, yeah. Because up until this point in the documentary, I I just assumed he was a really good actor, and he could speak with a really good American accent, and that was one of the reasons that he fooled them. Right. But then you're watching these film clips, and he's, you know, talking like this, blah, 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 blah. And he comes up with this ridiculous story about how he was kidnapped by the government, and they did, like, weird things to his body, which he tries to do to explain, like, why he looks different. And, you know, that they did things to like to him psychologically that that affected him or whatever. There's there's two central figures that eventually kind of like pick up on these like inconsistencies. And one of them is a private investigator who is probably my favorite part of this film. (laughs) He's this large Texan man (laughs) who goes whose name is Charlie Parker. He's this big Texan guy who is perpetually wearing suspenders throughout the documentary as most texans are wont yep, to do does all of his interviews with the film crew in a diner <laughs> and says things like you know i'll never forget that night i came and brought frederick in we ordered hot cakes <laughs> just like so he's remembering like the most mundane <laughs> things he sat down and i said good lord son you're looking a little tired tonight. I heard you've been giving your mother a hard time. And he looked at me and said, you know she's not my mother. And I said, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> like, just listening to this guy talk is, is worth watching the movie alone. But he's, he's the one who kind of unearths the inconsistencies. And I don't want to give the second half of the movie away because something kind of flips everything on top of its head and makes you think. But... There is an event that happens or a discovery or something that's alluded to that takes up a lot of like the last maybe third of the movie Mm -hmm. that completely makes you rethink the situation. And basically at the end of the documentary, no conclusion is fully reached, um, you know, in, in our time. But you're left really wondering, like, wow, who's telling the truth here? What actually happened? 
And that's what makes this documentary great because it's not one that's out, you know, it's not out to necessarily victimize anyone or come to a conclusion. It, it really makes you think about this weird, weird, crazy story and um, just leaves you kind of sitting there going like, hmm. wow, I, I cannot believe what I just watched. Wow. Okay. So it's pretty powerful. That's yeah. It's a it's a very powerful documentary. It's pretty shocking. It's very interesting. The only gripe that I'd have against it is that there's a good deal of sort of I don't want to say fictional filmed bits um, with actors because obviously they didn't have enough footage. You know, right? They had they had to dramatize. They some had of it. they had to dramatize a lot, which always feels weird to me in a documentary. I like documentaries that shy away from that. On the right. other hand, there are instances like this where clearly there's not enough footage of anything. They do use what they have. They have some footage filmed by the family and newsreels, etc. But a lot of it just there would be no reason to have on record. And it would take away from the narrative structure that they build in the documentary if they didn't have some action mm, going on. Right. So I understand it. And they do it in a way that you don't see the actors' faces too much. Which is, I feel like, is a good thing because if you do, it kind of takes you out of it, and you're like, "Wow, that looks nothing like the person that right, is being interviewed, right, yeah. etc." Um, that's my only gripe, and that's something that happens in a lot of documentaries. But having said that, it's a pretty darn good documentary. I would recommend watching it on Netflix. It's only been on there, I think, for a month or two, so you still have plenty of time. Yeah, it should to be catch on there for a while. If I had to give it a rating, I'd give it 17 uh great texas uh euphemisms for <laughs> for um for fun tr- crazy things that happen that charlie <laughs> parker says out of 20 okay so comes recommended all right well that's that's good we'll have to check that I'll, I'll have to check that out then i saw oz the great and powerful as voted by two people on the <laughs> Hey, thanks, On guys. the Facebook. Th- thanks, thanks guys. both of you. Actually, I, th- I think it was closer to three. But everybody seemed, by uh, by everybody, all three of you, seemed really into the idea of me going to see Oz the Great and Powerful, which I enjoyed, or rather I'm glad they chose that because it was playing at the theater down the street from my house. <laughs> that was uh, Jim Mathieu? Jim Mathieu? A friend, friend of yours, I uh, think. A it? co-worker and friend, co-worker? yes. He suggested it. Uh, Kai Gill said ditto. And his uh, initial comment was also liked by Michelle Bloomker. All right. Well, thanks to so, the three of you. Yes. If we you. if we had merchandise, we'd give you some of it, but we're, we we don't. Nope. So a small time magician arrives in an enchanted land and is forced to decide whether he will be a good man or a great one. Directed by Sam Raimi, this movie stars James Franco, M- Mila Kunis. Rachel Weiss, Michelle Williams, Zach Braff. Uh, I'm trying to think if anybody else is in. Oh, and of course, Bruce Campbell. Wow. And Ted Raimi's in it for one spot, although I didn't see him until I. This is a very Sam Raimi episode. It is. I didn't mean it to be, but it is. All right, right out of the gates. I really enjoyed uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. The opening is very interesting. It starts out, they're in Kansas. It's 1904, I believe. Mm hmm. And it took me a minute to realize it, but the movie is shot in old school four by three aspect ratio, and it's done in black and white. This is the intro. This is this is the first ten minutes of the film. Gotcha. And it's all shot on an old soundstage. Like they're outside. Like the scene is supposed to be outside, but it's painfully obvious that they are on a soundstage. So it's shot like an old movie like a very old movie james franco plays oz who is like like the the blurb said a small time magician he is obsessed with women he has this whole spiel laid out where he gives the woman who's going to be his assistant that night a music box tells him tells her it's his grandmother's and that it's very important to him very special to him and later you find out he has like hundreds of these (laughs) and he just hands them out to people player Zach Braff plays his uh, assistant friend, uh, Barker, like he's out, you know, yelling to get people in. And then he gets transported to the magical land of Oz through a uh, tornado. He's riding a, a, a hot air balloon. First question, is yes. there are there any 
songs in this. Any oh songs? yeah, oh yeah. There's oh, actually there, there, there there is one when okay. he meets the I forget what, they're they're not referred to the lollipop as the lollipop guild, but they obviously are. So the it is guild. like almost a pseudo musical. Uh, well, just the one time just they the one start song. singing, and James Franco starts freaking out because he doesn't want them to sing. And so while <laughs> they're singing, he's like, "No, stop it." Knock it off. So he basically plays the audience at that point. Yes, he play- and the audience is feeling it at that point. I'm like, not oh, comfortable God. with this. Yeah, the beginning is really, really interesting with the whole black and white, the aspect ratio being shot old style. And for a minute, you kind of like just engulfed in that. Like, I would have been fine if that was the movie. Mm-hmm. Once he gets to Oz, it opens up into the 16 by 9 frame, full color. It's really just a gorgeous shot. Unfortunately, that's when the CGI starts flowing in a little too much. Um, The floodgates open a bit. Yeah, this is another movie like like Jack the Giant Slayer where it feels like a lot of the the shots are specifically made for 3D. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets a little old after a while when you're not watching it in 3D. Which but, was, was this, uh, I, I imagine it was, was this released in 3D IMAX? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see it in 3D IMAX, right. but it was definitely uh, shot for it. Even though it, it's not a horror film or an action film, it feels like a Raimi film. He yeah. has a lot of those those traditional Raimi angles that he likes to use with the camera tilts to the side and zooms in on someone's face you know uh very yeah. similar to a lot of his films kind of ap- acrobatic camera work at times yes very yeah. much so and he has a lot of that in here as franco is is transported to this land he starts meeting uh, more people he he gets to meet the like witches and they all think <laughs> oh, that he is witches. a wizard and he obviously isn't he's just a con man yeah and it kind of goes from there what I liked about the movie is it is a legit prequel to The Wizard of Oz. They make a, a lot of points on that. Okay. At times, it almost feels like, towards the end, it almost has an Army of Darkness feel to it, but like a, a very kid-friendly, toned-down version of Army of Darkness. It ver- very subtly like reminiscent. How, how so? At one point, he sees one of the witches as she actually is. Like they're, 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 The witches are very beautiful, and then at one point, something happens where he sees the actual witch, and she kind of comes up almost like a puppet on strings, like the Deadites would, right. and she starts screaming at him, You will die! Like, wow. exactly like Armin. And I almost expected the camera to wheel around and James Franco to go, hey, she bitch, come get some. <laughs> like, I really expected it. Shop smart. Shop <laughs> smart. Now, there were a few things that graded on me. Like I said, the CGI feels almost cartoonish, which I, I know it's a it's a kind of a fantasy fairy tale type right. thing, but it still felt almost too cartoonish. But the- super old version still looks really awesome mm-hmm. and that was done you know using conventional yeah. paintings yeah. and such so zach braff in the world of oz he voices a flying monkey who is his bellhop he's actually dressed as a bellhop and it's his, like his man's servant and you can tell that he is doing as much of a billy crystal impersonation as he can get away with <laughs> it's very very billy crystal which gets old after a while. Uh, the other thing I don't like about it, which I don't like in a lot of fantasy films, is in fantasy films, sometimes things just happen because they can. I don't want to give away exactly what happens because I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are parts where I'm sitting there in the audience thinking, okay, there's no explanation of why that happened other than it's a fantasy film. So because it's fantasy, it can happen. So it just, eh, it, it just I, I would have preferred something. And they don't give anything. They're like, nope, that happened now, and we can move on. And there is a kind of a tacked-on fight scene at the end between some witches that just kind of feels like, really? Uh, You already had your... It felt like you already had your crescendo, and we should be kind of coming on the down, and and now we got to ramp it back up with another fight scene that just kind of was like, all right. Got to have a witch fight. Yeah. Now, without seeing the film... Mm, yes. I am just wondering a few things. One of the problems someone had is the fact that Mila Kunis plays, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, the, the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. And th- when they revealed how she looked in the movie, a lot of people kind of pointed out the fact that, like, hey, you're kind of unnecessarily sexualizing a character that really shouldn't be at all. 
Yeah, they definitely try to. I mean, I was just wondering if her movie portrayal lent to that in some way, if it was justified. No, No, not even a little. Like, she initially, Franco meets her and tries to, like, woo her. And it backfires on him in a way that, like, she's like, "Oh, well, then we we're, we're gonna get married, and you'll be, I'll be your queen." And he's like, Ugh, "I don't know, <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite ready to settle down." Yeah, exactly. So then, when she does become the Wicked Witch, yeah, they do. They try to ugly her up like the original movie, but then they dress her in like this skin tight leather corset type thing, and it's right, like with like really? plenty of cleavage showing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, okay, so. <laughs> Yeah, mm. hideous, right? Like, Terrifying. Cool. Yeah, R- Rachel Weiss wasn't, you know, good enough to look at. Like, you need more. No, more uh, eye candy, uh, more. So that was that was definitely, yeah. I I thought like it could I could have done without that. The other thing is, uh, does this completely retcon the storyline from Wicked? Because I am a big fan of Wicked. I'd love to answer that if I knew anything about. Well, Wicked. see. I know it does, because <laughs> in Wicked, they basically humanize the Wicked Witch. She's, like, she's almost made to be victimized. I don't think that happens at all in this movie, or does it? Basically, the Wicked Witch, as portrayed in Wicked, is seen as the protagonist. And by the end, you are still totally okay with rooting for oh, her. Oh, no. You know why she's... Because she's playing the woman scorned. So okay. she she's... Yeah, it's not definitely really at all you. Like the... You definitely feel why she's so ticked, but for that motivation to cause like attempted genocide is kind of, kind of. I don't forced. know if I can condone a film that totally disregards a musical classic. I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, all in all, Oz is pretty good. Lately, the the movies I've been seeing in theaters kind of rank in that. It's all right. They're pretty not. Good. There, there's definitely not uh, you know, a home run. There right. was definitely some improvements that could have been made, but all in all, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't see a reason why you couldn't go see this film uh, and enjoy it. I'm sure a lot of people are giving it a hard time because The Wizard of Oz is such a great classic. Sure, that they're automatically going to be very critical of this film because of that. However, there is a lot of really cool kind of built-in mythology to the Wizard of Oz story that I don't blame anyone, Disney included, for kind of toying around with. Right. I think they do an okay job. Yeah. I I, I think it does, you know, stick to the mythology. What little I do know about it. It's been a while since I've seen the original. But all in all, yeah, I'd say it's a good movie. I'd say... uh, Your rating, sir. uh, My rating? My rating would be... Five out of ten uh, musical boxes that are mass-produced for the sole purposes of wooing women, wooing women, getting chicks. Yeah, uh, your 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 reviews often seem harsher, or your reviews often seem more positive than your ratings. I've noticed that. Yeah, so five out of ten. I don't know. This could also be how you view ratings themselves. Five well, out the, ten from we we also we also determine that these good. ratings are completely pointless. <laughs> Pointless and arbitrary, but they still mean something. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not going to talk anymore about that. All right. Well, Let's talk about clearly our greatest film of of this past week okay, that we well, both watched. Last week, off off air, if we can put yeah. it that way, you recommended Universal Soldier. I don't want to say I recommended you it. You recommended it. I saw it. it and was like, hey, that's a thing. <laughs> now... Because you have never seen this movie before where you recommended it, it is why you are still on this podcast. <laughs> I agree And with why that. I am still I talking to that. you as a friend. I, I agree with and that. And I am not hitting you right now with this microphone. Uh, yeah. Because uh, if you would have seen this before and told me, dude, you got to watch this movie, it's amazing, yeah. right now the podcast would just be me hitting you over the head Here's with the mic. thing. I don't think I've actually seen any of the Universal Soldier movies nope. the whole way through. Neither have I. I think I've seen bits and pieces of the first one, and even then, I knew nothing about it. I had to go to Wikipedia, like, halfway through this movie, <laughs> look up the whole, you know, all of the movies to kind of get the gist of what was going on. Didn't help. Didn't make yeah, me didn't appreciate this movie any better. But then I was like, oh, yeah, some of these seemed like they were okay. Some of them might have been worse. So I'm glad I haven't been, you know, a fan of this of this movie series. Well, why don't, you, why don't you read the, uh, the IMDb? Here. Okay. 
John looks to take down Luke Devereaux, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, after a home invasion claims his wife and daughter. The fight pits John against Andrew Scott, who is played by Dolph Lundgren, and an army of genetically enhanced warriors. Meanwhile, he must contend with a Unisol in relentless pursuit. Now, see, that's not a very good synopsis. Not, because no, okay, if you right, don't know anything about Universal Soldier, that's going to mean nothing to you. All right. When I saw the poster for this film on the, IM, or, yeah, on, on the IMDb, because I was looking it up, before I even watched the movie, I thought, this is going to be a fun, dumb Fast-paced exactly. action film, definitely, with a whole lot of like fifteen-minute gun battles, yep. fight scenes that are completely pointless, and, like, and I was excited. Jean Claude Van Damme fighting Dolph Lundgren—that's all I wanted to see. I, I saw I, the poster and I was like, "Cool!" So I was very excited. I was like, "Yes, a dumb, fun action film," and what we got was not that at all, dude. This movie dude. was slow and dark incredibly so dark. dark. I was Gosh. not prepared. This is not a spoiler. All of this happens in the first, like the first 10 minute. minutes of the film. Not even 10 the minutes. The first minute like minutes. this happens. Um, the main character, who is not Jean-Claude Van Damme or Dolph Lundgren, it is Scott, Scott Atkins, Atkins, who I only saw him... Stuff. I've only I only recognized him without looking at his IMDb. I recognized him from Expendables 2. Yeah. He plays John, the main character. In the first like minute or two of this film, it's all shot in first person. Like the, the opening is all shot yeah. in first person. Like it shows him getting up, looking in the mirror, washing his face. His daughter is complaining of monsters in the house, so he tells her get in bed mm-hmm. with with mom. I'll go check out the house. As he's checking out the house, he's ju- it's clearly he's doing this to to just calm her down. And he turns but on the light. It's also very clear that he's going to run into something. Oh, it's, yeah, it's so obvious know, he's going to turn insidious. on a light and boom. There's, yeah. there's. So he turns on the light. There's three guys standing there in, in, in like hockey ski masks, masks, ski masks. They, they don't say anything, and all of a sudden the main one just starts beating him over and over again with a crowbar in a very long beating scene. Like they could have shortened that by a good thirty yeah, he seconds hits him again. And, and again, again and, and again, again and again and then and he looks himself just in the mirror for him to die which yeah, would have just been better going. than what happens and then he's he's still there he's he's kind of uh just in a lot of pain and they haul out as his wife and kids or kid rather and they shoot his wife in the head as he's like screaming yep. for them to stop and this is all one one like there's no cut to yeah, this it's all at all like one shot. and then he shoots the little girl who's probably like Six, yep. Which which they show, which they show flat out show, and then show repeatedly as he keeps remembering the incident. Like there are scenes where he's remembering his daughter and yep. like she's talking to him with a hole in her head. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's so dark. And then of course the the guy. This is one of the most unsettling things of all to me. The guy comes over that that just shot his wife and daughter comes over to John, the first-person yeah. camera view, takes off his ski mask, and it's good old Jean-Claude Van Damme with a, you know, shaved head. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what the hell am I supposed to think about this? And that, that's, I have nothing left to feel. That's how this movie starts. That's yep. the intro. And you're just sitting there like, I am not going to have a good time. No, I, I was. I, I put my beer down at that point. I'm like, won't be needing you. Uh. Yeah. Because this movie is going to depress it, the it hell out so of me. It gets so much worse because it gets so much more boring after yeah, that, that. Then it starts out this big long chase where John is going after these universal soldiers yeah. who have gone rogue. And it just becomes him just running from place to place with, for no reason, a, a, a stripper joins him. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy. Okay, part of the universal soldier story is that. There's, I guess, two kinds of Universal Soldiers. Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren are, like, the original breed, where they resuscitate or, like, reanimate dead soldiers and, like, basically give them super strength and abilities. And, like, they, they're, they've they been dead, so they don't have, like, a conscience or whatever, so they'll right. do whatever. Then there's, like, the new breed, where they're just regular guys that somehow the government... Um, 
can turn on can turn on their their minds and they become slaves to whatever they right. want them to do and also somehow gain like super fighting abilities etc I'm assuming all that is explained in the previous three I movies. I hope so. Because they don't I explain I, I this think at it, all in this movie. Yeah, I think, I think they do because I was reading up on the Wikipedia of the older films. So, But anyway, one of these awakened soldiers, we don't know why, but he hunts down John throughout the film. Sort of hunts him down. He well, finds him a couple <laughs> times and then like injects a syringe in him and then it hunts him down some it more. It doesn't make any sense. There's, all right, here's what I wrote down for the things that, about the plumber. That's the guy's character, the, the soldier uh, who's hunting down John. He breaks into, I mean, I, I guess it's a brothel of some form. He's got a bag full of guns and he just starts mowing people down. And like he's an going, automatic shotgun. Yeah, I guess. yeah. And he's, he's going after Dolph Lundgren. But, on the way, he shoots everyone else. Yeah, including which, like just the women. Yeah. Everybody, just everybody gets it. And then in the next scene, when he's hunting down John, he has a fire axe. Like, goody, another fire axe fight scene for no reason. Chris, Chris loves them fire axe. That's fight right. Scenes. That's right. Nothing, nothing like the one in Bullet to the Head, though. I'm sure that was more of a classic. Oh, absolutely. I just wrote that down. The plumber has a large bag of guns, and now just an axe. <laughs> and then the next scene. Back to a gun again? Yeah, well, you know, he likes to mix it up. Um, despite being on the poster and being top build, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren have maybe a combined on-screen well, time of what? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. And they're not even on screen together. Fifteen, Fifteen if you count every time that Jean-Claude Van Damme appears in With like a silhouette. that damn strobe light. There's a, yes. Every time that the this Universal Soldier, <laughs> every time the Universal Soldier serum kicks in or whatever, this first person view of, of John. Jean-Claude Van Damme shows up behind a strobe light. And the first time it happened, I'm like staring at my TV, going, "Damn, this <laughs> Wait, is really annoying." Stop, please, just just stop yeah. that. Hey. Oh, hopefully they will stop it. Okay, they're not stopping it. Well, hopefully they won't go back to it. They go back to it like four times. And I sat there, two seconds in, I just took my cell phone and like covered just it, covered your covered eyes, basically my my entire vision, but could see like the the light, you know, coming out of the side of my vision until it was over. And, and I w- did that every time. It was so annoying. It's so annoying. It's Why just, would you do that? Yeah. Oh, it's it's not a cool effect. It's just going. Hey, you have epilepsy. Hey, enjoy your visit to the hospital. Yeah, exactly. Hey, family and friends of this person, have a good night on us, huh? Yep. Because <laughs> there's no way somebody with epilepsy is made it going through that without a seizure. seizure on no, that. not a chance. Good lord, why would they do that? Yeah. This movie, I'm sure it made sense eventually, but I, at that point, I was so no, bored. I stopped it at four. I, I paused it at 45 minutes because I wanted to check the time. So yeah. I thought it's got to be getting somewhere close. And then I realized I had like another hour and five minutes to yeah. go. The first half is just mired in weird, cryptic story points mm-hmm. that never really lead anywhere. Or if they do, I didn't care. And and, and very and, little action in the first half. But, and that, but but a lot of gory violence. Gory violence that isn't with, exciting. That is no there's no excitement, no action. No. It's just it's just there brutal. to be like, hey, I just shot somebody right in the face. Yup, yup. With but a whole lot no, of CGI blood and sped up. And camera. you and I are both fans of certain violent movies. We love movies like Grindhouse Oh yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, no. Know, oh, Kill oh, Bill, yeah, etc. Oh, yeah. Super violence can be fun fine. and exciting. This is just violence to be like, hey, this movie's really, you know, violent. Yeah. Vi- <laughs> violence cool. violence in movies is great if there's like a compelling storyline or a character I care about. Something to get excited over. Or it has to be just a sheer spectacle of action. Cartoony. Yeah, like Command we talked about Commando before, where that yeah. is just a ridiculous level of violence and it's just a spectacle and I enjoy that. It's fun. It's enjoyable. Right. This was not enjoyable because it was too dark. Yeah, because the it was tone of the movie is, is gory far too dark. and just too sadistic with its violence. I'm not going to say the movie's irredeemable. There are two parts that I actually thought were really good, and if the whole movie was like them, I would have had a posit- You know, I would have had a more positive experience. Okay, the fight scene that takes place between In John the- and the plumber. Sort of the penultimate fight scene of the movie before things start getting really crazy. After the car chase is really good. 
I I liked it. I thought it was a really well mm-hmm. done fight scene. I thought it was interesting. It was a fight scene that made use of the fact that these are two guys that are clearly very strong right. and skilled. That was that was a cool fight scene. I enjoyed that. Also, the end was all decent. The, the fight scenes, you know, I'm not giving much away when I'll say that John eventually confronts Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme. The fight scenes are okay. They're all right. Leading up to that, I do like his little infiltration of the base. I think that's pretty I thought the fight sweet. scene in the base, like he's in this bunker and he's just taking guy just taking after every- guy out. Yeah. I thought that was I actually en- pretty sweet. I enjoyed that except for he does about two dozen combat roles. He does do a lot of combat. <laughs> he does a roles. lot of combat roles. It's kind of how it's kind of how they explain him not being shot to pieces. I guess, but soldiers. after a while I was just like, come on, another com- oh, there he goes, another combat yeah. role. I guess I guess I'll say that the last 10 minutes are are decent. But, but the hour standards. and 40 yes. minutes before that justify it whatsoever. No. You could have cut this this whole movie could have been cut down to like a 45-minute TV show, like, oh, a, yeah. like a miniseries length, and I would have been much happier. There's just so much fat on this film then there's not enough meat. What, what really surprises me uh, about this movie is its reception because despite a straight all 50, the horrors... A straight 50-50 shot down uh, uh, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Despite all the horrors that both you and I Two moviegoers, movie watchers that might have a more positive reaction towards a movie right. like this yeah. hate it. There's right, still right. half of the population that's going, that's eh, pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> it was better than the other ones, most of them. I've seen which a, is uh, mind boggling to me. I've seen my fair share of both Dolph Lundgren films and Jean-Claude uh, films. And I got to say, this is like. Probably the worst. And I'm including... Humorless is what it is. I'm including Johnny Pneumatic for Lundgren, because that movie is is amazing compared to this. Yeah. And his role in it is amazing compared to this. And uh, uh, also Bloodsport <laughs> um, for, for Van Damme. I will include the, mov- the 1989 movie, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Cyborg, which currently sits at 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. And you enjoyed that. Better. I enjoyed that so much more than this movie. It's not even funny. See, this movie because falls... that's a movie that's so bad that it's actually fun. Yes, exactly. This is the classic example of a movie that truly is just bad because it's not bad in a way that you can make fun of it. Really. This is not a movie because yeah, I, I've seen films that are so ridiculous and terrible that you almost want to like uh, a perfect example that I use is uh, Street Fighter. Absolutely, I love Street Fighter. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. I the feel acting kind of is the ridiculous. Same way about Cyborg. Yeah. yeah. But that's a great movie where me and a, a bunch of guys, let's break out some beers and let's just watch Street Fighter and laugh and have a good time. I, I thought about, like, could I enjoy this movie with the guys? I'm like, no. no. Because, because it's not over the top. It's just, well, it, it's over the top, but only in the sense that it's so dark and so violent. It's over the but, top in the sense that, like, like a lot of films are today where it's it's being graphic Sadistic. for the sake of being yeah. graphic and it's just ugh. like yeah you're not going to you're just not going to sit through that first minute of the movie with you know a few a few bros and beers and be like <laughs> dude he just they just like shot his family in the head yes, that's no. hilarious it's, it's no so, you're just going to so. sit there and be like well i feel bad <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so dark, and it's just so. Uh, yeah, let's no. rate this thing and leave it in the past. Oh God, yeah. uh, Jean. You know, I like Jean Claude Van Damme. I like Dolph Lundgren a lot. Both of them, despite all the horrible pieces of awful excrement that they have <laughs> released throughout their careers, I still like both of them. This movie made me take a, a, a second look at both oh, of them. Oh, no, absolutely. Made I me mean, go, why did you do this they to were me? Just, they were just in Expendables 2 together yeah. last year. And I know that movie gets a lot of flack, but I enjoyed it. Oh, I Expendables thought it was pretty good. Great. And this movie totally made me kind of sit back and be like, did you guys really need a paycheck that badly? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I need to go back to the 
the good Universal Soldier movies, of which I think there are maybe two. Yeah, <laughs> out of like six. From um, what I from what I hear, I maybe seen there's any some of them. good memories there that they were trying to rekindle. See, I, don't I can't know. Th- having not seen the Universal Soldier films, I can't imagine no this film provoke like invoking anyone going, yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. So all uh, right, well, what's your rating? Well, before I give my rating, which is going to be awful, I will say one more positive thing scott atkins who plays the main character he's pretty good like for what this movie what is not this movie requires of him he's pretty good this movie is not his fault no no um, no 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 and he does a serviceable job as he he does he would do well filling the role of jean-claude van damme of that type of action star i could see uh it. and he has actually been in a lot already he's been in things that i don't even remember him from zero dark 30 Expendables 2, which we mentioned, uh, Ninja, X-Men Origins. He played the awful rendition of Deadpool. So, Born Ultimatum. He's got some really poor things under his belt. He was in Unleashed. So, I don't know. I want to see him succeed. Despite all the things, the horrible things this movie did to me, I still want to see him succeed. So, that's something to be said about his performance in the Mm, movie. Yeah. Now, having said all that, this is one of the worst movies in recent memory. Uh, I would not wish it upon my worst enemies. I would burn it in the presence of of my family for fear <laughs> that they would mistakenly think that it was something that they should watch. I give it two out of a hundred strobe light flashes <laughs> that almost gave me epilepsy, and I didn't even watch them. Yeah, I I would agree with that number. I I would give it two out of a hundred combat rolls because uh, yeah, they're, they're about so, the same number. There. Yeah, so many so many combat rolls, so many strobe oh, lights, gosh. not enough uh, anything else in this film. There haven't so. been this many people going to the hospital for seizures since like Pokemon the animated series. <laughs> yeah, so like, a- animes like, have better chances. Yeah, you, know, you walk pro- Yeah, you'll that. probably fare better there. Yeah, so. All right, so uh, that about wraps it up here for Another Critic. About um, does. Next episode, we'll be reviewing Red Lights on uh, Netflix Instant and also the new G.I. Joe film. What's that What's that film called, Matt? G.I. Joe 2 Retaliation. All right. And we'll also be reviewing Sleepwalk With Me on yeah. Netflix. Yes. Cool. Just a reminder to everyone... Please, please, please go to iTunes and rate us highly, preferably. That's right. We prefer um, a five-star rating know, there. You know, you can rate us one star if you really hate the show, but then why are you even listening at this point? <laughs> um, go to Facebook, like us, subscribe to us. I think you have to be subscribed to us if you get any, if you want to ever see updates from us. Um, also subscribe so to us on iTunes. Yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes. Just, just subscribe to everything man if you see under the critic under and the their critic, subscribe button you see the word critic anywhere just subscribe, just subscribe the hell out of it right also thanks to eric Terribio who provides our web hosting for our show for those that might not use itunes uh and you can find that on enter the com. so check it out uh, also want to thank Ninjas vs. Podcast. They gave us another plug this week. And if you guys aren't listening to Ninjas vs. Podcast, uh, check them out each week. They get a series of what-if or versus questions and uh, answer them in usually a hilarious way. And they are We also should do on one quick. What? Well, which we should do one quick. No, that's not our thing. You, Jean-Claude <laughs> Van Damme versus Dolph Stop Lundgren. Stop it. Just quit. <laughs> Stop it. No, as a tribute to him to give people a taste of what uh. they're missing. What are we doing? <laughs> Dolph Lundgren versus Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme because he had a better career. Go. Dolph Lundgren because he has like a degree in uh, physics. That's true. He's smart. I guess that in, 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 in accordance to most Ninja versus Podcast uh, episodes, this leaves me to be the tiebreaker. And what is it? Uh, Totally Dolph Lundgren because he has a degree. In yeah, I'm going to change my vote. I'm going to change my vote so nope, we all win. No, too late. End of nope, episode. Change wait, vote. wait, wait. None of us said an hilarious pun or haiku. Dolph Lundgren? More like golf hungering. <laughs> wow, I have a lot more respect for Jordan and his puns now. <laughs> puns are hard. We should mention that Ninjas vs. Podcast is also 
part of uh, the, the Eric Terribio Network. Yep, the Eric Terribio Network, a network that he never meant to start. <laughs> he never intended to be a podcast network, but boom, baby. Gotcha. <laughs> Luckily, he has a lot of freeloading friends who don't mind asking for favors. Uh, I would also like to thank, as always, uh, Bobby Rowers for the use of our intro and outro. So good. You can uh, find them on the Geek Remixed albums at geekremix.com. So until next week, I'm Chris Klum. I'll eat your soul. <laughs> <we'll> Get out! <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Ah.